What's up, y'all? This is Zach with Living Corporate, and ooh, happy new year. Happy new year. I'm thinking about dropping this on New Year's Eve, but I didn't want to jinx anything because who I don't know the way 2020 is going. So I, I was like, now nah, let's go ahead and record and drop this on New Year's Day. So happy new year. If you're hearing this, hey, uh, congratulations for making it through a hellacious year. I know that 2020 has been a year for everybody. Um, and I know that some folks are like, hey, I've had a great year. But, yo, I've had a I've had a challenging year. <laughs> My year was challenging uh, before COVID. Um, and so, you know, I don't do this often, but a little bit of story time. All right. So I'll share a little bit about, you know, what my year consisted of, the highs and the lows, and then also what I'm excited about as we look at 2021. Um, so, look, I've sh- shared this before in other conversations, if you listen throughout the year. But in January, I actually took um, some leave from my job, from my mental health. I was so exhausted, so burnt out, and frankly, so discouraged and disillusioned um, by some racialized trauma at my job. I knew that if I didn't take a step back, I wouldn't be any good to my friends. I wouldn't be any good to my extended family. I wouldn't be any good to my wife, Candace, or my daughter, um, who was pending at the time. And of course, I wouldn't be any good to myself. Um, So I took this time to continue to build Living Corporate, go to therapy, reset, and prepare for uh, the birth of my first child. As much as I could prepare, because I mean, come on, you can't really be fully ready for any of that. Um, It kind of worked out since my leave was a couple of months and then I had paternity leave. So it put me back to work at my nine to five, you know, in early summer. So fast forward before we get to summer, we're going to fast forward to March and uh, we're slow forward. We're going to move forward to March. Um, And look, apparently this COVID-19 thing is real. Right. So in March, it's kind of like, okay, but it, 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 it gained steam. It was so real, in fact, that my wife and I arrived at the hospital one day later I wouldn't have been allowed to be in the building. Right. So we get there. My wife is a superhero. She gives birth to our first child, Emery, and she's here. And honestly, y'all, this is where I have my first gut check moment. Like, you know, in a, just a different way um, for parents. Y'all know what it's like to see your heart outside of your body. Which looking at this little black baby. It just reinforces um, or at the time it reinforced why living corporate must continue, must grow and must stay central to its mission. Right. Of centering and amplifying black and brown folks work because I got this person I have this whole person um, that I want the world to be different for um, that she can feel fully free and respected and safe at work and and, you know I felt even more so focused and affirmed in that amongst a bunch of other feelings that you know we don't have enough time on this podcast to fully unpack but parents know what I'm what I'm saying all right so now we're gonna move forward to June right so as I'm getting ready to get back to work, so I'm returning from my paternity leave, George Floyd is murdered, and there's this overwhelming push around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, look, I don't drop tea like that because, you know, of where I sit, but there are a bunch of brands. I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all. I know for a fact we're about to cut their DNI programs, had already cut their DNI programs, had asked me slash Living Corporate to do some work for free. Or when I reached out for collabs, they they shaded me, they dismissed me. All of a sudden, they're hiring out the woodworks. They're trying to reach back out. They're trying to. I'm seeing they're, you know, they're putting out all these feelers. They're hiring all these new diversity directors and 
um, posting black squares and donating to the NAACP and, you know, handing out free packets of Kool-Aid, you know, whatever. It's just ridiculous. Like all again, just complete 180. I mean, it was around the same time, though, that our growth shot up. We got on Westwood One's radar. Shout out to y'all. And we exceeded our Kickstarter goal by 400 percent. This empowered us to build some web shows, to launch a new podcast under the Living Corporate Umbrella and um, to really build some other things that we're excited to share with y'all later this year. These wins are bittersweet, though, like to be honest, because I honestly have to ask myself, would we be in the same position without George Floyd's blood? And is this all his blood gets us? Like, is this the culmination? Is this what it's worth? Right. It's a weird cocktail of emotions to navigate, to be honest. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't feel conflicted by that. Right. Like. Unprecedented growth for um, our company, um, incredible reach. We've been able to do some really cool things, spoken at some dope events like seriously, incredible year, incredible year. But the means how we got here is yeah um one thing i'm not conflicted about though is my general angst and exhaustion with like this corporate dei hustle like one of my mentors whom i love he shared this article with me and i'm gonna put it in the show notes um it's from market watch and it's titled there's a diversity grift right now employees at center of racial controversies at tech companies speak out for real it's worth the read okay here's the excerpt i want to focus on and i'm gonna kind of unpack it from there Tech has been singing the diversity tune for nearly a decade, but its workforce demographics numbers have barely budged. Companies have invested in diversity programs, rolled out initiatives and set specific goals. But as examples of discrimination, harassment and wage gaps persist, significant change from within seems as far away as ever. So the article continues to then spotlight a few tech companies that exemplify this stalled progression. But I'm not going to get into all of that. Read those on your own Um, because they highlight like four big names, big brands that many people would think are kind of like the vanguard of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they just talk about just the hypocrisy within those brands, right? Um, What this clearly illustrated for me is that not one major company, not one, is really out here looking to make systemic change. So much time and money this year was spent on companies trying to look like they wanted to do better. None of them, and I mean not a single one, did anything to tangibly make themselves better. Now, the reason why companies don't want to do that is because they don't want to cede any power or control, right? So it goes back to patriarchy, white supremacy, and of course, the third strain in that cord, capitalism, right? So look, inclusion and diversity is more profitable over time. Like if I'm having to make the case for diversity at this point in 2021, you're a racist, right? Like, If I'm having to have a conversation with you to try to convince you why this is now a profitable thing to do, you're a racist and you're incompetent. We don't have to have that conversation anymore. It's proven that more diverse and inclusive organizations are more profitable over time. But here's the issue. Truly inclusive environments that are diverse and again, diversity of thought is as real as diversity of lived experience and ethnicity, okay? We know because of the way that America's set up that you're not going to have wildly diverse thoughts if the group is monolithic. If you have a group of white people 
their thoughts are not going to be as diverse if you had a group of white, black, brown, black female, black gay female, black trans women, brown, first generation professionals, brown, first generation Americans. Like, it's not going to be as diverse. So we can stop all of that. The diversity of thought thing needs to stop. If I hear diversity of thought again in 2021, y'all gonna come on here. I'm a rant. I'm a rant. I'm a rant. We're going to talk about that in a minute, too, though. So check this out. We know that it's more profitable for your organization to be inclusive and diverse. But here's the thing. If your organization is truly inclusive of diverse thoughts, because, again, diverse thoughts tying directly and correlating with diverse lived experiences, there's going to be some relinquishment of power. And the folks in charge are happy to continue to let black and brown talent out the door before they give up any of that power. Howard Bryant, he's been on the show twice this year. Shout out to Howard, ESPN and NPR. He said earlier this year, look, if companies wanted to change, if they cared enough to change, they change. They don't care. They don't care about you. So let me say it again. These companies do not care about you. They're about looking like they are doing the right thing. So they want to look like they're doing the right thing. You know, like clout chasing, that's what young people say, yeah, clout chasing or the look. Like clout chasing is like really the new look, right? People just be doing stuff for the look. And that's why you really, you, you rarely see any of these companies rolling out any type of real accountability for their toxic leaders, right? They, they fire people in the cover of darkness. And really it's not a firing. I mean, I guess that you, you slide them a ton of money. So you give them an early retirement. There's no real training that addresses non-inclusive leadership and no real accountability measures to hold folks accountable when they're not leading inclusively. Uh, there aren't a lot of targeted sponsorship programs that really say, hey, look, you're responsible for the success and progression of this many black and brown people in your organization. Those things don't exist. Right. And there aren't development programs that look to make sure black and brown employees are being promoted and retained. You rarely see black folks in leadership. And when they are, they're rarely kinfolk. They're mostly neo-colonists. You know what I'm talking about. They're there to kind of as a figurehead to parrot the things that those in power tell them to say. Right. They're not really in a position to lead <laughs> and and shift anything like that's not what they're there for. They're tokens. Um, you never, ever, 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 ever see organizations be fully transparent with their DEI data like they're not intersectional with how they speak to their employee groups by org level and by org position. You'll see them often like couple um, people of color, quote unquote, with women in general to bolster their numbers and make themselves seem more inclusive or diverse than, than they actually are. Um, they shuffle around a bit when it comes to their talking points. And um, it's gross. It's gross, y'all. Like, it's gross to me. For real. It's gross. <laughs> I don't even know how, what else to say. Like, it just, it makes me sick to my stomach. Because I've just seen the grift so clear this year. And it's hard not to see the grift when you're at home, right? You're sitting here, you're like, you know, I'm with my daughter every day. I'm with my wife every day. I'm less distracted. Because I'm, I'm not traveling like I used to. I'm not you know, juggling a bunch of different things and having to sit in traffic like I used to. I'm able to be more focused and more present. I'm able to see things clearly. And I think a lot of people are able to see things clearly. That's why you have this piece. That's great. And I hope you read it. You know, I, I just let me talk about this a bit more because I'm, I'm genuinely over it. Right? 
I saw a chief diversity officer featured in a publication about allyship where they referenced the words of black employees in those dumb, candid conversations. These heart circles I've been telling y'all are trash, right? Where they get a bunch of black folks together in a room and they ask black people how they feel. Black people share how they feel. They're crying. They're upset. And then they go, they pat you on the head. It's okay, Jamal. I see you. I'm with you. I hear you right now. And nothing changes. Yeah, this stuff is for the birds, man. It's trash. Like, it's not working. Check this out. In this piece I read, though, right? This person, <laughs> they referenced what the, the black employee said out of context to market some warped view of allyship. And see, that's been the play. Like, I see the play. These black employees, they put their hearts on the line. And these brown employees, they put their hearts on the line to share real pain. And white leadership just kind of lets them put it all out there. And then they come in with their sickles and they just they just reap it. They just take it. And then they morph it and they mold it into something they can use for marketing. Right. So we're giving them the marketing copy. And then they're able to say, hey, look, look at how we listen to all our black and brown employees. Look at how inclusive we are. And then some major professional publication picks that up and their stock price goes up and their brand reputation goes up. And they've done nothing. They've done nothing but manipulate black pain. It's exploitative and it's white supremacist. It's infuriating. And it's wrong. It's wrong. Now, why am I saying all this? I'm not saying all this to say all is lost. Um, you know, I share this on the first day of a new year because I want to be very clear with like the tone and the timbre and the focus of living corporate moving forward. Like we haven't changed uh, to be clear. We haven't changed at all, um, but we continue to grow and every episode is someone's first episode. So, I want to be super, super clear with like what we're on and what we're not on. I keep pushing and asking my guests if this season was a movement or a moment. And honestly, I think it's a moment in time that peaked around the summer. But listen to me. I don't think that folks with sense, I don't think that they believe we're going to go back to pre-summer 2020. So I don't think we're ever going to like reset in that way or people are going to even try to push that like again certain certain organizations will but those with sense and good vision won't right and a good example of that and this is not an ad check out my interview with xander lurie of uh, survey monkey ceo survey monkey we had a whole conversation about this because i asked him about this very thing he was like this isn't going anywhere he's like at survey monkey we're doing this right over here this is what it's going to be right so you know, there are going to be a very small minority of organizations who recognize that things have fundamentally shifted. Right. And honestly, that compounded by this new generation of black and brown employees coming in who are even less patient than uh, my generational cohort. Like we'll still put up with stuff because a lot of us still want to be white. But that's a conversation for another time. These Gen Z professionals. I um, mean, of course, everyone, because we're, we, we're in this capitalistic patriarchal system. So 
a lot of us don't want equality. We or we don't want liberation. We just we do want whiteness. But there's a large proportion of Gen Z just people who really want true equity and truly want people to be included. And that's exciting. That's exciting because we're going to need that. We're going to need folks internally creating new expectations and pushing internally within their organizations for things to shift and change. And what I'm also excited about is I do believe that that push and that that desire and that low tolerance for nonsense, I don't think it transcends race, but I do believe there's also a good swath of white folks out there, too, of the younger generation who are conscious, right? More than their millennial Gen X and baby boom counterparts. And so I'm excited about this new generation of of workers coming in to the corporate space. I'm just that that gives me hope. You know, I, I do believe there is hope to change systems, right? So like everything I talked about, about like this grift and like this hustle, this white supremacist exploitation of black paint, those things are because of systems, right? Those things are because of systems. You know, so many of these folks you see on these stages, they're there because the systems place them there. And they're using this chief diversity officer role or this culture officer or this VP of talent or VP of belonging. It's a career play for them. It's a money play for them. That's because the system is built for it to be that. I do believe there's hope in changing those systems. I just believe that that change is going to come by outside agitation, right? So many people this year got promotions, a bunch of white folks who don't give two about black people got moved into these chief diversity officer roles or got more power in their existing role. And they got that power because Black Lives Matter protested and created change and pressure for organizations to do something. Now, again, because of the systems, some of them just decided to give more power to people who don't care about us. But my point still is, is that some of us also people who actually we do care and we're trying to do the right thing, we got a promotion or we train, we were able to get a new role or we're able to do something. Why is that? Because Black Lives Matter created enough pressure and created enough, I'm going to say this lovingly, good trouble and good chaos to get us on the news to make sure that these things were front and center. That's why you see these promotions. That's why you saw those programs because of outside agitation. My hope and my dream is that living corporate can be an outside agitator to create pressure and call folks to points of accountability to create and pressure and mobilize internal change. Right. And so I'm really thankful for all of the guests that we had for 2020. If you're listening to this and you want your organization to change, you want to create impact, you're passionate about centering and amplifying black and brown voices. Yo, we want to have you on Living Corporate, right? I can't shout out all the people that were on our platform this year from our web shows to our new podcast, The Leadership Range, to our flagship show, Living Corporate, to our blogs, right? To the co-branded things that we did with SurveyMonkey and Fishbowl. And like, I can't shout out all those things, but I know 
And I'm passionate and I'm confident that we're in a place to be even more unapologetic, to be even more direct and intentional with the content we create here. Because our goal and our dream is to create enough pressure for these organizations that otherwise would never change. Look, um, you can support us in a lot of different ways, right? It's a brand new year. Maybe this is your first time listening to Living Corporate. Share this episode with a friend or not a friend, <laughs> a coworker, a supervisor, family member. Give us five stars on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. I'm old, y'all. Apple Podcasts. And write a review if you can. I appreciate you. Words cannot express how thankful I am to have made it through this year, to still be here, to still be here on Living Corporate, creating content that I believe continues to bless a lot of people based on the emails and notes and phone calls I get. I can't thank y'all enough. Again, shout out to all the guests that we had in 2020. If you're listening to this and you want to be on, want to be a guest, just email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. This has been Zach. We'll catch you later. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.